How old do you have to be to be a change maker in your community? Well, as it turns out, not very old. I'm Garland McWaters, and this is the Spirit of Leading podcast. Well, on this episode of the Spirit of Leading, I'm doing my very first revisit. A couple of years ago, I talked to a couple of young men that I just met here in the Tulsa area named Jake Lerner and Andrew Spector. They were here on the Teach for America project. They were doing a project called Changemakers, and that sounded very interesting to me, so we visited about that, and I found out that they were doing a sort of a trial after-school program with uh, young with their students to say, well, how can they make a difference in their schools, and how do they bring into to the schools this idea of being a change maker and taking responsibility for making things better and of course that's what the empowered to lead is all about is how do we make things better we visited and lo and behold i mean man it's been a great two years hasn't it i was thinking back in preparation for this for this interview this call and um to when we did our our first interview in 2017 i think it was right in the middle of um, of our pilot program yeah. or, or and um yeah, a lot has changed mm-hmm. <laughs> And yeah, during that uh, spring of 2017, during that pilot program, um, when uh, we were still just at a, at a couple of different schools, it was me and Jake who were facilitating in collaboration with um, a, a couple of educators. Um, we were meeting at, uh, uh, not at the school sites and um, things have changed since then. Yeah, we've, um, in 2018, uh, fall 2018, we launched a, a new model of our after school program um, where our role became um, hiring, training, and supporting of coaches um, who are typically teachers at a school site um, and supporting them to run the program. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, that was a way for Jake and I to really like, expand our um, capacity and expand our impact by positioning people that have really strong ties to specific communities and really strong abilities to educate um, and empowering them to take our process of um, empowering young people to drive positive impact and and bringing that to their really hyper local um, context of their school site. As it began to unfold, you were doing some more public events, and I actually I had the chance to go to one of your uh, events with young people. They're doing their pitch night, I think it's what you called it, a pitch night, and mm-hmm. I was just so blown away, impressed with uh, with the progress that those young people had made. And I know that's continuing. Uh, I see, I get your newsletter and I see some of the things you're doing. Uh, I wanted to ask though, uh, kind of, how do you all split the roles on this? I mean, it's obviously you sort of co-founded this and you've you collaborated on it. So who does what? Do you both do everything? Or I know you're both working with uh, the uh, Leadership uh, Tulsa project now and, and, and Changemakers is a part of that. Uh, so how do you split your roles and responsibilities with the project? The easiest way to explain it is... Uh, Andrew takes the lead on a lot of the external facing things. So some of those partnerships and, and those fundraising partnerships. And then I take the lead on a lot of the internal things like curriculum development and program development. But the truth is that there's not a grant that we don't collaborate on. You know, we're collaborating on all the grants and we're, and there's also not a program that we're not collaborating on. So we both get a look at everything, but in terms of like the big bucket items, like who's going to take the lead on this or when there's a stalemate, who makes the final decision, if it's, if it's fundraising or community partnership related, that's, uh, Andrews and, and mine is if it's about curriculum, what programs we're doing, those kind of things that falls into mine. Okay, great. Thanks, Jake. Uh, let me ask about the curriculum. I'm interested in how uh, you, what you decided to develop and how you developed, it, developed what you actually teach in the program. Where did those ideas come from? So when we first talked to you, they were coming from Andrew and I, and then all of our past experiences and the organiz- we'd be reaching out to organizations 
that were local and as well as looking at national examples of youth leadership work and just trying to piece it all together. Now it's still, uh, is a product of those things, but we added another incredibly dynamic element, which is dozens of teachers now that work with us that are incredibly, incredibly talented and bring a whole new, fresh context specific insight into what it looks like. So we actually went back and forth, Andrew and I, a lot about how much should we provide. We don't want our curriculum to look like a script for sure, but how prescriptive should we really be? And we, I think we've really found the sweet spot of uh, the teachers in the program feel like they have guidance and they feel like they're always, we're always available for advice and help create co-create with them. Um, but what they what happens at the school site can be so dynamic and so flexible because the teacher is able to take it, rearrange it, and change it. So the product that the students are getting uh, at one school site can be completely different from another school site, and that's that's what we want. We don't want it to be. We want we believe that leadership is context specific and community impact is highly context specific, and it doesn't work if we're saying. A, B, C, and D, A, B, C, and D. It's, it's, it's got to be fluid. Go ahead, Andrew. Yeah, uh, and, and I'll add that the, the curriculum, even as it's uh, changed and improved over time through more things that we've learned and the feedback from the coaches, it still had the same like basic structure that we call listen, listen, act. Um, really this process of the change makers first listen to themselves, their own experiences. Then they go out and they do the second listen, which is listen to um, people in their schools and communities and then the act portion where they respond to all that listening by taking action. And that's rooted in sort of just basic philosophies of change makers, uh, like asset-based community development coming out of the ABCD Institute in Chicago, um, youth participatory action research coming out of UC Berkeley, um, and then things we've learned from local organizations like Youth Philanthropy Initiative um, and national models like Baltimore Intersection and Rethink New Orleans, Public Achievement in Minnesota, um, and just sort of blending uh, and Project Management Institute and liberatory design thinking out of the National Equity Project in partnership with the design, Stanford Design School. And just to, sort of blending all that together into like as simple as we could get it, which is that listen, listen, act listen, model. Listen. Well, I really like that. And well, the, all, the listen to you all explain all of those different places you pull from. Because I know educators are good at borrowing ideas and then taking them and re, re, refurbishing them for their own application or for their own area, which is, uh, the, I think, the way most of us work. How, how, did that how has that approach affected the teachers themselves that you use? Has, has this approach been sort of like eye-opening for them as well on where to get this information and how to use this information? And how has it affected their usual classroom kind of uh, participation? One of the most encouraging uh, pieces of data that we collect, a lot of the teachers uh, reflect that they take a lot of the lessons they learned in our training and through the process, the change maker process, and it translates directly to their classroom, mm -hmm. uh, whether that be um, democratizing certain decisions within the classroom, creating more opportunities for student leadership, uh, project based learning, specific activities is a lot of carryover effect from being a change maker coach and then allowing that to influence your teaching. And then we also hear just a lot of really encouraging mindset shifts. I didn't know that students were capable of doing this until oh. I was in this program with the students, or I had an inkling that they could do it, but seeing it put me at a whole nother level of understanding. Th those kind of, the feedback that we're getting from teachers uh, in that vein has been extremely encouraging for us. That's fascinating. Yeah, we, even, we even hear from administrators too, that um, they see teachers stepping up more at school, um, taking on more leadership roles um, as an educator. And then teachers that see themselves moving into administration see it as an opportunity to, to think on a, a more systems level uh, and community-based level as opposed to just focusing on their classroom. Are you getting any kind of inquiries about how what you're doing in the Change Maker program might affect 
uh, some kind of modifications of, uh, of idea of learning in the classroom itself. We talk about improving our classroom learning and so forth, you know, making the classrooms better. Yes. Um, we're, so we, we started doing some, some professional development for whole staffs. Um, if they're staying after on a Monday or something to do mm -hmm. a quick presentation for them, um, those kind of things. But what's really exciting and one of the large projects that we're undertaking now is expanding our trainings to other schools and other school districts uh, directly so that um, a school maybe in Sand Springs or Broken Arrow, um, those teachers would have an opportunity to get that development that not only influences their in-school practice, but also can create the opportunity for the after-school program to succeed. That's, yeah, uh, and we're calling we're calling that our listen, listen, act training, and we're 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 even thinking that this can be something, and I think it's particularly accessible uh, given quarantine. That this this can really go beyond you know Tulsa County, Oklahoma, but it can be something that like nationally, internationally, people can say, hey, I can really take a lot from this model, and um, I want to be trained in how to do this in my context. Well, that's real exciting that that could possibly happen because I think it could be a far-reaching thing uh, way beyond, like I say, way beyond your program, way beyond uh, the Tulsa area. I remember years ago, uh, I was very interested in learning processes because I was really getting just into training at that, at that time in my life. And so I was very interested in, in the dynamics of the adult classroom in the corporate setting. This was where I was practicing this. And uh, I was also, had also been uh, president of the Oklahoma School of Public Relations Association along the way and uh, had been sort of presented with the issues of, uh, of, of education in the regular K-12 kind of environment, the nation at risk, uh, the classroom problems that were going on you know, back in that era as they were talking about, okay, we've got to do something to make our classrooms better. And then I came across a piece of information called multiple intelligences, which had to do with, uh, with all the different ways that we acquire information and create culture and things of that nature. And I had a chance to go out uh, to a, it was called a creative learning conference, I think, out in Arizona, and visited a multiple intelligence schools. And it was, uh, uh, it, was, uh, it was showing two classrooms, one that was a multiple intelligence classroom and one that was a sort of a traditional classroom. And in the multiple intelligence classroom, this was, these were fifth graders, I think, their activity for the unit was to create a product, manufacture or make a product and sell the product to the other members of the class. And they worked them in te teams of uh, five or six, I think, in that classroom. It was a classroom of about 30 kids. It was just unbelievably creative and fun. And the teachers were just having a ball with it. And uh, that was sort of my first look at a, a classroom that could just let kids really uh, explore and expand and have a lot of take their own leadership in some respects and the teacher just sort of directed it and provide resources and ask the questions and so forth. Uh, that's a long way around. <laughs> I'm sorry, sorry. But, uh, but the, my point was, do you see this approach to learning becoming more popular and a little bit more uh, teachers more eager to take that kind of approach now than maybe back when I was younger? Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's um, I think all, all the progressive movements in education reform point towards hands-on, experiential, project-based learning that's rooted in real-world application. Um, I think that's, that's where everything is going, and, um, and I, we're, we're a model of what that can look like in mean, the after-school environment, um, community impact focus. Um, but we, we've piloted our program during the school day, too, and uh, yeah, we think that there. We think educators are really pumped up about it, 
And um, I think as more space gets created for them to be able to um, do that in their classrooms and in their schools, I think teachers will be jumping on the opportunity. Um, and I think that comes with creating the space is, is a much larger conversation around um, the, the requirements that we have um, of schools and principals and from there with the requirements we have of educators and classrooms and sometimes um, how constraints I think can prevent um, education from moving and moving that direction and that's something that we really prioritize as Jake was saying near the beginning is the autonomy and creativity we can give coaches in our program yeah. that we have this listen listen act process we train you in and we support you in every way possible but ultimately change is context specific our program is context specific um, and you have to there's, there's no common change makers to kind of paraphrase right. like common core it's like there's this process but you, you got to shift it does the classroom that your change maker students go into feel and look different than what they normally are in during their regular daily classroom environment it, the the physical classroom typically doesn't look that much different um, although sometimes coaches will put up um, some work that the change makers have already uh, done whether that's um, their smart goal for their project or their their strengths um, from strengths finder strengths explorer what we call our, their strengths of head heart and hands um, I think the real difference is in terms of how the sessions are the the, the actual change makers are structured uh, most um, most coaches will either structure their their uh, their sessions having the change makers in a circle um, or the change makers in a circle and the coach sometimes sits outside of the circle intentionally so that um, the coach really functions as its advisor and it's the youth that are owning the project. Um, but either way, we, we leverage a circle, the circle, which is a really restorative model. Um, and then in terms of what the actual uh, learning and project looks like, the coach functions as, as a coach and as like an advisor. And from the very first session, session um, is intentional about um, uh, empowering youth to lead and really getting out of the way as much as possible. So it's the youth that are making decisions and, and leading the project um, and, and, and taking actions uh, in partnership with an adult, but really in, in their own leadership. Well, what an empowering kind of, kind of way to do that. some success stories uh jake as you look back over some of the the, the, the classrooms that you've been in uh are there some success stories that really come to your mind that inspired you and uh made you feel real good about what you were doing yeah there was a, a student a fifth grader uh named jose and i was i was not working this was already when andrew and i were training the teachers so this was a school-based model so i hadn't worked with jose very often but i was in there a few times a year to uh to observe the coach and support and things like that and I happened to be there on the second to last session and he came up to me and said, Hey, Mr. Jake, um, before I did change makers, I couldn't ask the, the person at the grocery store where the cereal aisle was. And now I'm giving presentations in front of a hundred people. I just gave a presentation in front of my class today and I wanted to thank you for, uh, this opportunity. That was a really, really special. That was very, very special for me uh, to hear that that the program had that impact on him and that, that was, he saw it in that way. Right. Well, that's a life change right there. I mean, with someone who goes from, I can't really express myself to now I can confidently express myself at that age. I mean, that's a life changing thing. So that's a pretty amazing Absolutely. story. Andrew, what about you? Yeah. An example for me is, uh, another change maker, Kaylee. She, um, she was the youngest change maker to go through the program when she was in fourth grade. 
Um, and I think she's just, she's one of many examples, but she's an example of a, a student that's already had, um, had uh, incredible leadership skills and just really just needed the space, um, the opportunity to enact those leadership skills. And, and Changemakers was that for her. She, you know, she played a really important role um, in her cohort's project, Big Buddies, Little Buddies, and transforming hallways into highways, changing the school's hallway policies. But then she just jumped into all the leadership opportunities that we have afterwards too. Um, she hosted pitch night that spring. She spoke at a leadership Tulsa luncheon. Um, she became co-president of our alumni committee this year, also sitting on the advisory committee. Um, she spoke in front of over 400 people at the Tulsa Women's March in January. Um, she spoke at the funders roundtable. Um, actually, she impressed um, a couple presidents of a company so much at the leadership Tulsa luncheon um, that they uh, they paid her to speak in, at their regional training wow. from the 60 store leaders from across seven states. Um, and she's also been an assistant coach, a student assistant coach for her, uh, for the new change makers at her school site this year. Um, and so just, just jumping in and making an incredible impact in her school and community. And um, for me, it, that, that goes back to just like the origin story of change makers. So just me and Jake meeting these incredible students in our classrooms that we're not receiving the same level of investment as leaders as we were as outsiders and newcomers to Tulsa. And it's like students like Kaylee that are just bursting with um, leadership skills that they're already enacting. And just by a little bit more investment, they can really, uh, really change things up in their schools and communities. And so I think she's a, Kaylee's a really good example of just what happens when opportunities are created. That's just an amazing story. It makes you also appreciate just the value of, of every individual. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, this is a person who, who, who might have someday been successful in some way in her own right, uh, but it would have she taken would have a lot longer. Successful. Yeah, it would, have been, it would have taken longer, but this was sort of like a moment that gave her that chance to really step forward and, and express it earlier and receive some affirmation from it and see the, and see that to, to tell her that, she, yeah, you've really got the right stuff here and then to, mm -hmm. to go with it. That's very impressive. Two very different stories. You know, someone who has sort of maybe that uh, personal dynamic to want to get out there and do something, and then the young man who, who wasn't quite sure how to even ask a question, you know, in a store, you know, both step forward in their own way some way, you know, to, to really uh, to, be, to be better than they thought they could be. That's, Definitely. That's sort of one of the principles, I think, of, of my own Empower to Lead is that uh, one of my core philosophies is uh, to help to, people to enlarge their expectations of living and uh, to give people a chance to realize they can be more than what they currently think they might be, that there is, uh, there is uh, empowerment is helping people to have that opportunity for that experience. mentioned uh, your your uh, sponsors and uh, think back a couple several years ago where you first started this and now where you are today uh, how has how have your sponsors stepped forward for you because I know I can look on your website and I can see you got a bunch of them on the bottom you know <laughs> that uh, that are stepping up now and uh, helping in some way uh, how has that sponsorship thing happened for you and what is what do you, what message do you get from that from people stepping up say hey I want to help um, we are so fortunate. I mean, we couldn't do what we do without um, our sponsors and our partners. Um, they, they made it possible. Um, and they've really stepped up. We're really fortunate to be in Tulsa. I mean, our 
program and you know the the, the great impact that's also from many different organizations and people um, it is made possible by uh, by foundations and corporations and people um, that are that are investing in this kind of work and so um, we've we've been um, really fortunate that that uh, foundations and corporations and individuals have really come out and, and shown support financially but also uh, human wise and intellectual wise and social wise and um, yeah we're, we're we're really grateful for it and I think they've also just also seen what we've been doing we've been really achieving results and growing quickly and making a lot of impacts I mean when we when we spoke with you in 2017 that pilot program was. Um, I think we probably had around 20 students. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this past school year, we had 169 wow. new students. Um, we're at nearly 300 alumni. Um, we've had over 50 community impact projects. We've trained over 20 educators. Um, and this upcoming school year, we're going to be at 25 to 30 sites, um, approximately 300 new change makers. Um, and I, I think funders are seeing not just the the not just the growth, but also the um, how imperative this kind of work is to this moment um, and in general, that if you're gonna be investing your funds, like the, perhaps like the most fundamental or foundational thing to invest your funds in is building civic capacity. Um, we, we, this might come across as extreme, but we, we kind of talk about like civic engagement or civic capacity building as like as fundamental as food. Um, it is essential to, to democratic life and to human life to, um, to have ownership over yourself and your community, to be able to advocate for yourself and your community, right. and so we see the kind of work and the skills that we're that we're building as, as fundamental to to our democracy. Well, I uh, I certainly can buy into that. I mean, I've experienced it myself. You know, as 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 you reflect back upon what these last couple of years have meant to you, uh, Jake, what uh, how has it changed you? What uh, how are you different today than you were a couple of years ago when you started this journey? I, I feel like over the past two years, I've learned so much about what it means to, to really hear somebody. We, we talked two years ago about we had, I don't know if we weren't calling it Listen, Listen, Act at that point, but we talked about a, a listening campaign and then uh, they go and they gather more information and then they, and um, I think that it's, and I think we understood it two years ago, but now the, personally and professionally, just the, what, what that ask is. When you are truly listening to somebody and incorporating feedback from the community, and I think you even mentioned like the value of a person, I think that that, it's, a, it's really hard to put a word on it. And it, I think it probably is like, yeah, it's, it's like the words are not, I'm not finding the words, but I think that just, um, really powerful lessons in how much a person can do for another person and what it means to, to really show up for somebody and be present. And I think presence is getting a, a unique spin now that we're, I mean, we're virtual, you know, last time we did it, we were in person and, and where the world is right now and what presence is going to have to mean. But uh, for me, I think the biggest lesson in the work that we've been doing is how I can personally be showing up for people and for things that I care about and seeing how people can really show up for me and how, and, and how young people can show up for themselves and their communities. That's uh, that's part of what community is. It's that uh, organic and dy dynamic aspect of people engaging each other. When two people bump into each other, anything is possible and everything is possible. I mean, just stop and think about in your own personal story with you, uh, you and, and 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 Andrew. I mean, you two just bumped into each other in this uh, you know in this uh, uh, Teach America project. You were from two different walks of life and places and stuff, and all of a sudden you 
meet and then you find this common interest and you do this and now look at what's going on. I mean, it's amazing to me. And that's to me, that's the miracle of people meeting and things happening. And I've heard that story over and over uh, from, uh, from people who write about this and study this. So they, they say uh, the, the most powerful place in the community is the dining room table. When two people, when families get together or people get together and says, you know, why don't we? Mm-hmm. And the idea starts. And I've had several podcasts where that's kind of the way the project started. I mean, down in Durant, I talked with the Chief Batten of the Choctaw Nation and uh, Greg Massey there at First United Bank. And they got together and they said, well, why don't we? And they came up with this idea for Imagine Durant. They think we're, we're two of the big leaders in the community. People come and look to us. Well, why don't we reimagine what it's like to live in this community and that started this whole conver- their whole conversation which became a project and now it's gone from that into it's i mean it's gone to several years now of its of an iteration and the, the community is is really redeveloping and now they become what's called a blue a blue zone community that their executive director uh, latched onto and said well we can even do this and that started from two guys sitting at lunch <laughs> You know, the whole thing sort of like went from one to the next to the next and people get involved and people in, engage each other's ideas and they build ideas out of that. And next thing you know, I mean, things are happening. That's the way it works. Absolutely. And that sounds to me like that's sort of what you want change makers to be. I was re- looking on your website. Forgive me for reading your own mission back to you. But uh, <laughs> I think it's important to say this. Is that you, you're right. Our mission is to empower promising youth leaders to drive positive impact in Tulsa right now right now, not 15 years down the road, but right now, not train them to be leaders someday, but train them to be leaders now uh, and into the future. And you mentioned your, view, your vision is a future where Tulsa is a model city for youth-driven impact. And uh, I mean, I want to say amen to that because having moved to Tulsa myself about the same time you all did, uh, I see that as sort of like an energy in the community that I, I hope is starting to grow more and more. And I, I'm just very happy to be here at a time that I am. Uh, so I, I just want to just sort of say amen to your vision and mission and, and that you're doing it. You're not just talking about it. You're actually doing that. And that's really incredibly uh, powerful to me. Thank you. And I think to your point about the dining table, I think that's in some ways... Uh, what we think about the, the change maker cohort is right. It's the creation of more dining tables, but you know, it's classroom tables, mm-hmm. but it's um, well, perhaps like the most innovative thing we've done for the city of Tulsa is created a space. We've created a space in many different classrooms um, across the city and growing number of classrooms across the city where young people that are motivated to make an impact and have the skills to make an impact are invested in are connected to each other. Um, and invested in by an adult in a process um, to have an experience where you're making a real and measurable impact in your school and community. And just by, and I think the reality is that we already exist within an ecosystem of educators and organizations and people that are doing this work. What, what we hope for in terms of that model city, that doesn't mean that we are solely responsible for building right. that model city. Um, it's something that we've been doing in collaboration with other people and organizations. And it's something that um, more things are popping up um, things that were happening before us are continuing. And, and our, our hope for this model city is that there is a ton of stuff <laughs> for right. every age and every kind of person. Right. And there's a lot of things going on that are building civic, uh, civic capacity and 
creating those spaces for people to connect with each other and build things. Right. Well, I think that solves a whole lot of problems. Whenever you can build, like, build what you call yeah. a civic capacity, a lot of other problems go away. And uh, hopefully uh, some of those negative qualities of, uh, of, uh, of political division and stuff like that can heal as a result of people getting together and finding commonality and say, oh, well, what was that all about? You know, I mean, <laughs> that wasn't even my idea. And so uh, we, can, we can find ways to be together and build things together that are common to us, which is what a community is about and organic. I do want to go back to this little story I mentioned earlier that I said I'd come back to because I think it's pertinent, not just because it happened to me, but because it happened to me at a time that formed me. Uh, and I was uh, kind of new on my own, starting my own business. So I got a lead on a project in uh, my hometown where I was living at that time to, uh, they wanted proposals for building or doing some kind of community work where they would end up with a community-wide project that would bring the community together. And it was an economic development sort of idea. It came out of the chamber, and it came out of uh, chamber-related kind of, kind of activities. I don't think it was specifically the chamber at that time, but chamber-related. And uh, so anyway, I put my, I got to thinking about that. So what's the one activity I could do? And I had a couple ideas in mind, and I got to thinking, well, how, how presumptuous of me to decide for the community what the activity ought to be. And, and I began to, thinking, to think of all of the complexities of that, like how do you generate volunteers and how do you generate commit, commitment and where do you find money and all that kind of stuff that it would have to, to have to happen for the project like that to work on that scale. So I got to thinking, well, maybe I'm, got the, I'm way ahead of the project. I need to be thinking about that, that community aspect of it. So instead, I wrote a project which I called Living Stones. That was the name of my project. And, uh, but anyway, I got to thinking about that is that uh, what makes brick and mortar work are the people who put the brick and mortar together. So it's the people. So I put this a very uh, nice project together, and I went to, and I said, this is the, what we do is we build a community. And out of the community, and we bring all these people who are from all this different sort of interest groups and different ideas, and let's pull, let's pull the community together. And let's uh, find the strength in the community. Let's find what the community is about. And then let's build something out of that kind of connection that becomes really the community. This is the community thing. And this is who we are. This is what we're about. This is what we want people to know about. This is what we, this is what we want people to, uh, to understand about us when they come to our community and engage the community. And I thought, you know, the pitch went pretty well. And uh, then the... <laughs> I still see this guy. Uh, I'm sitting there, and there's four people on the community uh, committee. And I'm there by myself. And then there's the four, and then there's, there's the uh, chair of the community and he, uh, of the committee. And he looks at me and he says, "McWaters, we don't want none of this self-help crap. We just want someone to come in <laughs> and tell us what we need to do." And that's what they were looking for—someone to come in and tell them what they needed to do. And I said, "Well, I, you know, I really don't know what." I said, "Thank you for your time, and this maybe there's something to think about." Well, I obviously didn't get the project. They did find someone to come in and tell them what to do, who tried to tell them what to do, and it went nowhere. In six months, it was over and done, and nothing happened after that during the years I was there. And uh, so as you tell your story about this idea of civic involvement and building the civic side of it, to me that resonates at my heart and soul level, and that I feel like this is what communities need. This is, this is the spirit of a community. And if you don't find this heart and soul in the community itself, you don't have anything to build with. That, I think, is what I see in Changemakers, because I see, I see it in the way you describe it, but you're talking with, you know, uh, grades, uh, high school and young people who have this figured out. And I'm thinking, why as a community and as adults can't we figure this out? You know, kids are, 
are kids know this. They know that you build a community and they know what it means and they've set a great example for us. You said in your story, in the part on your website about your story, that you were driven by a conviction that long-term and sustainable community transformation happens when communities are mobilized to drive their own change. I think that is a spirit of leading. I just want to personally say I thank you for being in Tulsa and doing this program and letting us see what the possibilities in it are, because I think we have so much to learn from it, and I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Garland. Yeah, thank you for the work you do and the opportunity to share about the work that we do. It's way past time for all this. And uh, as I think about, you know, what we can do moving forward down the road, I see uh, communities uh, sort of holding up these examples of what's happening in schools and or neighborhoods and places like that and saying, you know, I mean, we can really, we've really got a lot of positive things going for us. Uh, How can we really uh, leverage all of that and really thrive as a community? So that is change making, isn't it? Absolutely. Yes. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's Absolutely. the kind of change making that I think that makes a difference. Uh, one <laughs> last thing here. Uh, what have you learned from doing this project that you would say, if I could share my wisdom with others coming on who are wanting to do projects and they don't know if they have what it takes or if they have the energy or they have the creative spirit or whatever it is, what, would, what do you want to say to them to say, hey, go for it? What would your advice be? Jake, why don't you go? I'll put you on the spot. And I think it's similar to what I learned over the past two years, but it's listen. And that's the advice we give to change makers that are, that are taking on something for the very first time. And it's the advice I'd give to someone our age that's thinking, hey, I'm not sure if I want to take this leap. I don't want to. It's like it never hurts to sit down and have a conversation with somebody. Gather as much information as you can because you're in doing so you're already starting. And through that listing, you might find out that your idea isn't the best version. Actually, you'll probably always find out that your idea isn't the best version of the idea. And the more people you bring in, the more that you talk about it and ideate and reflect and bring in other community stakeholders. And I, and the effort is going to be a lot stronger and it's going to be a lot clearer to you why you should do it or why you shouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Great advice. Andrew, what about you? Yeah, then I guess the next step is if you've listened and it's clear what your role is and your role is doing something, it's do it <laughs> uh, and, and try it. And um, the, the first activity that change makers do, the first session is an activity called the Marshmallow Challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when a group of four change makers or a small group of uh, people um, has to build the largest freestanding structure they can um, in 18 minutes using uh, 20 spaghetti sticks, um, a yard of tape, a yard of string, um, and um, a marshmallow. And the marshmallow has to be on top. And the, 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 the big lesson from it is that you uh, that you, you have to start with the marshmallow, meaning that you have to try to get the marshmallow on top as quickly as possible. Because the what the research shows, or there's a TED talk we show, that kindergartners actually outperform business school graduates and most adults. And the reason why is because business school graduates, they, they jockey for power for a few minutes, they plan for a little bit, and then they have one plan, they execute that plan, and they do it at around 17 minutes and 55 seconds, and then they put the marshmallow on top and it falls. Whereas kindergarteners, they rapidly ideate, they try things out and they fail, but the failing's not failing, it's learning. And, um, you know, they've learned slash like failed, you know, 10 times by the time the 18 minutes is up and they have these beautiful, creative, awesome structures that actually work. Um, and I think it's the same, and that's what we operate with change makers too. It's the, sort of the lean startup model of try it out, do it, build in systems for validated learning, collect the data, and then just keep learning and getting better. Uh, if you spend 
you know, if you spend a year or two years just trying to research it and get the, the prototype just perfect, you're going to miss the opportunity to both make an impact right away um, and um, learn more effectively than you could by, by researching and waiting. Of course, it's a minimally viable product, so you don't want to just jump into it without <laughs> some <laughs> research and preparation. But uh, the main lesson is just get out there, try it, and measure so you can learn. Right. Well, that's great advice, too, because, uh, I mean, I'm one of the world's worst that wanted to get it right the first time. You know, I mean, I'm learning my way out of that. And uh, it's, uh, it's great advice. Uh, failing is learning is, uh, is uh, something that we could all kind of, a little mantra we probably could live by. <laughs> so I tried and it didn't work out. Oh, this is another way not to do it. So let's just do, try something else. So that uh, is a lot, of, a lot of wisdom in that as well. So I want to congratulate you on uh, really good work and, uh, being, and sharing that here in Tulsa with us. And I'm one of those people that doesn't believe in coincidences too much. And I really believe like there's a, there's sort of a higher power at work uh, that put you two guys together and brought you here to Tulsa and, uh, and uh, let me meet you and hear what you're doing because it's inspiring to me. Uh, I want to read something to you and I want you to tell me where I saw it. It says, uh, if your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you are a leader. Uh, does that sound familiar to you? It does sound familiar. Mm -hmm. do you, I, do, I won't tell you where I saw it, and I'm, I've heard it before, but I'll tell you where I saw it. It's on your website, and it's, uh, it's uh, the little sign that's hanging on a lectern or something by some of your students standing there, and I, I, was, I, I read through that. I thought, oh, I've heard that before, and it's actually it's a quote from uh, John Quincy Adams, you know, the sixth president of the United States. And, I th and I've thought about that a lot, that, uh, you know, who is a leader? Who is a leader? And a leader is someone that uh, helps people get places that they can't go by themselves to begin with, I think. That's, that's where my idea of a leader. But uh, in sort of more of an organic way, a leader is that person who just gives you the idea that says, hey, do this. They, they inspire you. They cause you to dream. They, turn, they do something to you that, that makes you want to think of yourself in a higher, more able way. And so a leader is not about themselves. A leader is about the people they affect and how they affect them. And I think to me, that's sort of what I see you all doing with the change maker program is that they're also dream makers. Thank you. <laughs> thank so, you. So yeah, thank for, you. We, we feel very fortunate to have been, uh, to have crossed paths with you. And, uh, and I know Andrew already mentioned it, but thank you for giving us yet another opportunity to share the work that we're doing. Well, I appreciate it. Might also say that you two also were recognized in the uh, Next Gen Under 30 uh, Winner Circle uh, years, a couple of years back. Of course, I'm a part of that program, and uh, uh, what, what has been a real uh, blessing to me is to see that there are so many young people in our state who are just wanting to do something amazing. And uh, they feel like they, they have something to offer. They want to offer it. And, and being in Oklahoma, they want it to be in Oklahoma. Uh, and they want it to be in their community. I think I've, what I've learned from going across the state is how really closely people, ties that people feel toward their communities because that's where they're from. That's their home. And we can't all live in the same place. You know, <laughs> we're going to spread out. And so you make the place where you are the best it can possibly be. And that's the attitude that they have. And I think that's what I see in change makers is they have these young people in their schools and in their neighborhoods and places like that saying, well, this is where I am. And so let's make it the best it can be. Let's change it and make it better some way. In Leadership Tulsa, uh, Leadership Tulsa, one of the definitions that we offer is uh, leadership is a moment of accountability. Mm -hmm. And I guess you can call somebody a leader if they have many moments consistently over time of, of being accountable. 
And uh, I think that just goes to your point. It, it makes a lot of sense to me. It's, it's about being accountable yes. um, to yourself, to your community, to others. Right. So I, I appreciate that, that observation. And of course, I also want to, to take my hats off to Leadership Tulsa for recognizing your program and, and bringing you all into sort of their fold uh, for however long that might be. And uh, because I think it, uh, the program, this program is going to go someplace. I just have a feeling that it's going to just jump out there someplace and uh, it's going to get recognized and other people are going to want to be a part of it. And, and uh, I just hope that uh, Tulsa sort of is the center of the universe for the program for a long, long time. And uh, wherever it goes, I hope it's sort of this sort of focus sort of stays, stays here. So it's a great place to be. And, uh, and I know it's a great time, you know, to be, to be in this community. So we'll just make it better, okay? <laughs> See what we can do. All right. Well, listen, I want to thank you guys for joining me again uh, via Zoom. I tell our listeners that we are recording this on the Zoom platform. But I do want to thank you for joining me on this, uh, this episode of The Spirit of Leading and uh, give you uh, all my encouragement I can for to continue your work and to continue to make the positive difference that you are in making the changes and be a change maker in the schools in the lives of these young people and also in our community. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's it for this installment of the Spirit of Leading podcast. I want to thank you for listening and also want to thank Andrew Spector and Jake Lerner, co-founders of Tulsa Changemakers and project managers for Leadership Tulsa for joining me and for updating me on this very interesting and important project. Thanks, guys. I also encourage you to recognize and appreciate anyone who demonstrates the spirit of leading at work and in the community. When you join the Empowered, you get a notification of my latest podcast or the latest post in my weekly Empowering Thoughts series. Please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. And until next time, I urge you to live empowered each and every day and unleash your creative energy. Encourage the spirit, enliven the heart, enlighten the mind, and enlarge the expectations of living in yourself and in others. I'm Garland McWaters. Thank you.